Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. If you're looking for clarity on your passion... Sign up for my free five-day email challenge today on my website at www.neliahut.com. That's www.neliahutt.com to sign up now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. And I wanted to say thank you to for coming on again and joining us. I have met a new friend here today <laughs> from Florida. Her name is Sabrina Victoria. Welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Good, good. We have two um, big haired girls on tonight. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm excited um, to get to know Sabrina a bit more. She's got all these wonderful things happening and she's involved in so much work that's going to help you and help me and everybody out there. Um, so just to let you know a little bit more about her, Sabrina Victoria, she is the creator and CEO of Human Better 365. I love that name. A human transformation company and the creator of the Her Version podcast. She's a speaker, entrepreneur, and author of Envision Your Best Life, 90 Day Planner, and the creator of Catapult Your Life in 365 Days. Self-proclaimed queen of time, Sabrina focuses on time management and organization as the foundation of life. I love this so much. We can learn so much from you. So I know usually people start off, you know, with the obvious question, just, you know, like tell us about yourself. And, <laughs> and we do want to know, you know, it's, it's so easy to just ask the same things all the time. But honestly, um, we could talk about so many things today. But in order to understand the transformation that you've had in your life before and after, can you tell us a little bit, you know, yeah, we need to know a little bit about you. So can you tell us a bit about who you are? And uh, yeah. <clears throat> sure. Um, would you like me to kind of start where it all started? Sure. Or you? Okay. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I was uh, born, or not really born and raised, but raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Um, some people know about that religion and some people don't. But in that religion, there is a rule uh, that states you're not supposed to have sex before marriage. As in many religions, however, <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses uh, are very black and white about it. Mm -hmm. So at 20 years old, um, I got pregnant and I did not have a husband. So with that, I was castized from the entire church, which was everything I knew and my entire family. And I, uh, moved 
in with my son's father, who was at that time in my belly. And uh, at that point, the, the church that I was trying to get reinstated to basically sat me down and said, hey, uh, you're confusing everybody because you're walking in here with a man who is not a Jehovah's Witness. You're acting married, but you're not married. And some of the brothers and sisters within the congregation are confused. They don't know if you are married or if you're not married and you're um, causing people to be uh, unsure and questioning your faith and their faith and, and whatever. So they basically sat me down and said, you need to make a decision. You need to either marry this man or leave this man. You can't be just playing this back and forth game. Mm. So I made a decision. I'm trying to get back with God. I'm trying to get back with my family. I'm trying to get back with my church and my friends. I have no money. I'm living in an apartment with 12 people, barely paying my bills. And so I break up with him. And instead of doing what I thought he was going to do, uh, which was like help, he decided to just skip town. He left mm. and I had uh, no child support. So I'm in an apartment by myself with a baby making minimum wage paying for all the things that you need to pay for to live. And I'm living paycheck to paycheck. My car is getting repoed out of the parking lot. I'm getting, I get eviction notices on my door and I'm literally wanting to die. Like literally contemplating suicide every single day. I am wanting to kill my baby. I'm wanting to leave my baby at a fire station. I'm wanting to end everything. I don't know how to fix my situation at all. And there is absolutely nobody I can go to zero support. And one of the reasons why, you know, sometimes people ask, well, why didn't you make friends? Well, when you're a Jehovah's witness and you're trying to get back into the religion, you can't make friends outside of the religion while you're trying to get into the religion, you have to pick a side. Okay. So while they're um, isolating you from them, you also have to isolate yourself from anybody else. So you're literally just here by yourself. Hmm. It's absolutely horrible. Yeah. So in this state of just despair, I meet a man and this man is very nice. He's very charismatic. He's very handsome. And this man has money. And he takes me out to dinner a few times. He buys my little boy, a little, a little boy and starts to kind of like spoil me a little bit. So I fall into it hook, line and sinker. Within a very short time, I'm moving in with him. Within a very short time, I'm quitting my job, working for his company, taking, um, leaving my phone plan, going onto his phone plan, getting rid of my car, using his car, using his computer. And before I know it, within a very short time, he's literally controlling my money and everything, everything, absolutely everything in my entire life. Uh, the emotional abuse, mental abuse sexual abuse, financial abuse was insane. Eight years in, I'm on the floor in the bathroom in the same exact scenario, wanting to die. My life is so unmanageable. I'm just crying out in desperation of why is my life sucking so bad? Why is the universe punishing me over and over and over again? Why can I not catch a break? I have no money. I'm living in this big fancy house. I'm, sh I'm shopping at Walmart and Aldi's. My clothes are all secondhand. My son's clothes are all secondhand because I have no money. 
purposely, he's making it so I purposely have no money, so I can't get out. I'm on the bathroom floor, I do a Google search. Through my eyes being teary, I do a Google search. And in this Google search, I put, why is my boyfriend bullying me? Because I didn't know any other vernacular to use. Mm. So I put, why did my boyfriend bullying me? And within that split second, the entire universe opened up to me. And I realized I was in a narcissistic, abusive relationship. And I had no idea. I had no idea. I literally thought that I was going crazy. I thought that I was the worst girlfriend in the world, or at that point, fiance. Um, And I thought that I was the most disorganized, most ghetto, most dirtiest individual on the planet earth because my house was not um, meticulous. Meticulous. Um, It wasn't cleaned um, meticulously. Thank you. Every single day. So, um, at that moment, I realized I was in an abusive relationship. I noticed that he was never going to change. I noticed that it was all him. It wasn't me. And I realized he was never going to change. So I had to make a plan and I made a plan to leave. And, uh, within that plan was to open up a secret bank account, um, open up a secret eBay account, a secret offer up account, a secret fiber account, and a secret storage unit. Well, within a very short amount of time. And I started selling everything I could, everything I could. I started flipping the stuff at thrift stores. I started making videos for marketing companies all under the radar while he was out working, out golfing, whatever it was. So during this time, I'm running his entire business. He's basically doing nothing. I'm running a side business underneath the radar. I'm being a number one mom and I'm hitting the gym every single day to keep the body that he seems deems necessary. So literally for real on three to four hours of sleep for four years straight. During that time, my son's father pops back up and decides he wants to take my kid part-time or full-time, just steals him from right underneath me. And that's a whole nother ridiculous story of lawyers and money and kidnapping. Uh, Long story short, it took me four years, but I collected $50,000 and I was able to drop off my car my phone, my computer, the keys to the house and walked away with my clothes, my son's clothes and my bicycle. Wow. 15 years. And yourself. (laughs) Yeah. That's the key. Yes. Wow. There's so many things there. You know, when you're 20 and you're going through all of these things at the beginning of, of what you were speaking about, you know, I feel this heavy sense of loneliness, right? Because you can't have friends. I think that's so ass backwards. <laughs> like, you ha- yeah, they, they just isolate you. And how are you supposed to move forward and think of all of these things without having people to speak to, without having people to express your feelings to? Of course you felt, you know, of course you felt that way. And none of it was your fault. And you were so young. Like, I can't imagine at 20 having all of those things to deal with. And then here comes this gentleman who gives you attention, right? And you said, spoiled you. And of course, you're going to fall in love with him, you know, like, makes you feel great. And wow, it's so it's so brave of you. It must have been so, okay. So I hear you in your story, talking about, you know, for four years, how you did all this stuff without him knowing, right? Yeah. But 
as exhausted as you were, I'm sure that every second of that time you were like, I need to do this. I need to do yeah. this. Like, I need yeah. to get out of here. I need to, you know, it's like, yeah, you're, you're finding the energy and the time, although you had, you know, in all of those things, you were working for his business, you had the side business, all of these things, keeping the house and your body. And you're also a mom, right? So as moms, we also try to hide these things from our children and yeah. try to have a normal life amongst all of this chaos, right? Yeah. So, wow. Looking back, like, yep. what do you think now? You did it. Yeah. It's funny that it's funny that you say that because there was a time towards the end when I was getting ready to leave. And I actually found a place. I closed down my storage unit. I found a place. I hadn't left it yet, but I found a place and I closed down my storage unit and I just had stuff. I was just slowly bringing my stuff to my place. And the way that I did this is at one point we used to get in these huge blow up arguments, just insane. Like you can't even imagine and at one point I used one of those as an excuse to move into the guest room. I took all of my stuff out of his room and put it in the guest room. And because I did that, I was able to slowly shift my stuff out of my room and into my new apartment. But it was so funny because at one point um, I was with my son and we were at Goodwill and I'm shopping for forks, like uh, utensils. And I had him in the car and he's like, mom, why are you buying forks? We already have forks. Right. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, these are just extra forks. And then like a couple of days later, he goes, mom, I need you to buy me some new socks because all of a sudden my socks are just disappearing. I used to have a whole drawer of socks and now I have like seven socks. But it's because I was slowly every day yes. as it was getting closer, just whatever we didn't need, just like when you're packing, when you're moving, you just like keep what you need, mm. you know, and you pack all the rest. But that's so, scary too, because if he was noticing it, you're probably thinking, oh my God, am I doing this too quickly? Because is, is, is the guy going to do I was so careful. He mm. was, and he's a hundred percent a narcissist. And I know that a lot of times people have a hard time saying that because he's not diagnosed as a narcissist. This, but this man was completely clueless, complete. He was so self-absorbed in everything regarding himself. Mm -hmm. He was so clueless about anything other than what he had going on. And at one point for a full week, the full week before I actually moved out, I had nothing in my room except for one dress hanging in the closet, a pair of pajamas and my hair product. That's it for a full week. Wow. He had no idea. Wow. I guess that was good for you that he didn't have any idea, but it just proved the point. Did you feel like when you moved into the separate room, did you automatically feel like kind of relieved, like a sense of I've got my own space, like maybe a bit less afraid, yeah. more in control? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I was also gaining control because I was reading, you know, when, when I found that out four years ago, four years prior, I dove into everything. Mm. I was reading and reading and listening. I was fine. And that's one of the reasons why I started my podcast too, was because I know how I was when I got to that point. And all I was looking for was proof, mm. proof of somebody else leaving. Just show me one other person that left one other person that got through this. And if I can find one other person that did it, I know I can do it. 
Yeah, I love that so much. It's so important. Um, I too started my show for personal reasons, because, you know, if I can get through all of this stuff, then maybe somebody out there can, you know, and one day a podcast saved me and I wish I could remember the name of it. But, you know, if I were to go to the library or the bookstore and pick out a book on self self care, self help, I would be like, oh my God, if I'm in the Toronto subway, people are going to think that I'm broken because I've got this book I'm reading, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I started covering the book with like newspaper, like you did in, in elementary school. Yeah. And just designing my own cover. Who knows? I could have been reading about whatever. And then, because I wasn't ready to talk about all the stuff, yeah. but if I could put in my headphones, nobody around me needed to know what I was listening to. So I would listen to all these self-help and personal development podcasts and they helped me because even though I wasn't in a controlling relationship that I couldn't have friends, I still didn't feel I could talk to the friends that I had. They were great people and I always felt love and all of these things, but I kind of isolated myself. So the podcast world to me was this opening of, you know, what if I am listening about how to, you know, be a better person and how to do all of these things and why I shouldn't kill myself and all of this stuff. Nobody needed to know until I was ready. So I felt in control at that time. So when you say that, I kind of can understand, you know, I have a question for you. Um, what changed from the moment that you fell in love to when you realized, okay, oh my God, this is not how I want to live. Like, what were the warning signs in there? Because I, I know that there are people out there listening to this right now that are trying to learn about how they can give themselves permission to be like, to be who they are, right? And stand up for themselves. And we talk about self-care a lot on here, but we don't talk about self-care as in taking a bubble bath and getting a massage. We talk about it as getting priorities straight and boundaries and protecting yourself and doing all of these things. So what were the signs in between, you know, from going from, I found this guy who, who treated me right and everything to, oh my God, I need to get out of here. Well, I'd like to say that it was a long time in, but it wasn't. I mean, it was mm -hmm. within two months. Wow. But you have to remember, and, and, and he specifically, not all narcissists, but he specifically looks for women who are weak. So me being in the state of mind that I was in was using him. He was also using me. And that's the thing with narcissism that a lot of codependents and people who are empathetic don't like to really talk about is like that side of the coin that codependence can be just as manipulative as narcissists, but we have to be. Um, and I, I know who, who he is because when we broke up, I actually, because of financial reasons, stayed working for him for two years after we split. And the woman that he wound up seeing and now is with like for years um, came into the relationship exactly the way I did with no money, no car, like wasn't even a citizen of the United States. Um, so weak, you know, didn't have any power. He likes them like that. Um, so I want to say, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to say, um, oh, I didn't start seeing anything, but it was literally within months, but I didn't have any other options. 
I had no mom and dad. I had nobody to lean on. I had no friends. I had nobody and I couldn't pay my bills. I literally couldn't live. So he was paying for my dinner because I was eating beans and rice every day, all day. I would have a, I would have a can of pineapple for breakfast and lunch. I would take a can of pineapple to work for me with me. And I would eat that all day for breakfast and lunch. That's it. Mm. Then when I got home for dinner, I would eat beans and rice with cheese and corn tortillas. That's all I had. Son. My son was eating baby food. So all my money went to baby food for him. Yeah. And we were always breastfeeding when I was, when he was a baby, he breastfed until he was like seven months old. But anyways, um, I can tell you a story about that though. So we were in his office. This was before I started working for him. I was just like going there to help out whatever, um, you know, being a caring person, he'd ask for my help. So I was basically just working for free, but trying to be like a good girlfriend. And he asked me to vacuum. So I vacuumed one of, you know, one of the offices and came out, rolled it, put it back in the closet. He comes into the office and he goes, what is this? And I go, what do you mean? He's like the lines you vacuumed the wrong way. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? He's like, yeah, the lines are supposed to go like this so that the office looks longer. You vacuumed like this. So the office looks short and fat. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that you're supposed to vacuum like this. And he goes, get out the vacuum and revacuum. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? No, I'm not going to revacuum. And he's like, you're he just screamed at me, just absolutely screamed at me, made me feel like a total idiot. He's, you know, does the whole guilt trip where he's like, fine, I'll do it. You can't even vacuum how much I've already done for you. I take you out to dinner all the time and you can't even vacuum for me. So out of guilt, I'm like, fine, I'll go get the vacuum. So went back, get the, I'm fuming. This was early. This was a month or two in. I get the vacuum on my way down the hallway purposely. I did this purposely. I allowed my shoulder to hit his shoulder, not like hard. I didn't like ram him like a freaking football player, mm-hmm. but I allowed my, because I was like, I'm freaking walking. He wouldn't move. He's trying to like, sh- I didn't know at this time, but he's like shutting his power, right? Trying to demean me already early on. So I allow my shoulder to hit his shoulder. And within a half a second, he takes me by the shoulder, smashes me against the wall in the hallway. And he goes, don't ever, ever hit me. You hit me, I hit you. Do you understand? I was so taken back. I like, no one had, no one had ever done anything. My dad never even hit me. So like, or like spanked me or any, I never. Immediately my eyes well up with tears, just scared out of my mind. Um, Didn't say anything. He lets me go acts as if nothing happened. I revacuum, put everything away. And then he's like, Hey, you want to go grab dinner? And that was within a month or two, you know, and it was stuff like that continuously got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse as it went along. So how did you find the courage to change, to change the way, you know, things were going? Like, how did you make that decision? I know you, you know, it's, you mean, after eight years yeah the reading yeah yeah it was that google search i literally on the bathroom floor 
the bright light shining in my face, read like three articles in a row. And I was like, oh my gosh. Mm. And I just consumed as much as I could. And it was tricky because I still had to play the submissive doting partner. Mm. But then on the other side, I was becoming this powerful voice, but I had to keep them separate. And little does he know, look how powerful you are. You know, yeah. you, you now run your own business. You're doing incredible things. This yeah. is fantastic. So I know that you just, um, I was just following you on social media, actually. And I know you just did, <laughs> did, some, did a video on um, the three things that people should watch out for. Um, do you want to mention those three things in case there's anybody out here? Sarcasm and name calling. And the other one was, I'm just trying to think, because it's three things that we should look out for. Um, you know, if, to see if, if this is the situation that you're in. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the third one, okay. That's okay. Right. but, um, yeah. So sarcasm is huge because it comes across as playful, but I call sarcasm, the devil's humor because it's not loving. It's never really loving. And even me, myself, the little bit of sarcasm that I've had in my, you know, in my, um, personality or whatever I've actually pretty much deleted it because it's just kind of rude it's just not even necessary to even do mm. um but yeah sarcasm definitely anything that just hits you to the gut and it just doesn't make you feel good and sometimes it's even like the name calling for instance is very covert sometimes uh I know with me and you know I'm Hispanic Mm -hmm. so one of my nicknames was the Mexican but what was interesting with that is the Mexican was my pet name but when he was mad at me which was all the time he would call me the dirty Mexican so it was very uh. it's it's a demeaning pet name that like, you can't really argue with, like, how do you argue? Don't call me the Mexican. That's demeaning. Well, how is it? I love it. Then he would say, I love Mexicans. How's that demeaning? Why are you being so sensitive? It can have such a two face. It'd be like, I'm proud to be the Mexican, but the way that you're saying it and yeah. your perception and how you're saying it is degrading to me. Yeah. Yeah. So and they're very tricky with that. Yeah. It's very tricky. It's very covert. If it's not if it's not, and, and this is what I always tell people, if when he says it, it doesn't sit completely right, mm. then it's, then it's wrong. It's just wrong, you know? Yeah. And so you don't have to prove that to anybody because yeah. as long as it doesn't sit right with you, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest arguments we had was as far as him saying I was too sensitive, you know, he, cause it would always come back on me as being the one that was too dramatic, too sensitive. And in that case, it's like, fine. Yes, I am. Which means your personality doesn't work with my personality. Mm. You know what I mean? So just because they're justifying it, they're going to justify it. And they're going to say, oh, it's not that big. Other people don't mind it. Then that's fine. That's fine. But I mind it. And that's what I had to start really realizing for myself and voicing for myself, you know, once I really started to plan my escape is like, yeah, okay, got it. 
I'm overly sensitive. I'll find somebody who just isn't so fucking rude then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there are people that are less rude than you. I don't have to be with somebody who's so aggressive. You should be with somebody who's a little more aggressive, who can take it, you know? Or have a bit of a personality. Cause that to me sounds like a lack of, you know? <laughs> But the three things were that you had mentioned was the name calling, the derogatory comments, and the heavy sarcasm. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So good. yeah, they all kind of. Yeah, good signs to watch out for. Definitely. Wow. So now the line of work that you're in, um, how does that make you feel? Like you've come a long way. Yeah, I have come a long way. What's interesting is one of the first projects that I worked on when I left him which I still have, um, was a, a program called how to leave your spouse in 365 days. I actually, the last year that I was with him started writing down my exact blueprint mm. and all of the things I did over those four years to escape. And there were several things that wound up getting in my way, which is why it took four years. It would have taken less than four years. But uh, that was one of the first projects I did, how to leave your spouse in 365 days. And from there, I just kind of, you know, kept growing. I was already doing time management organization under my company, three, um, Human Better 365. And it's just kind of been expanding in, in through there. We're uh, huge in the sobriety uh, community down here in South Florida, helping people organize their life and really find themselves again. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's just, I'm trying to think, you know, I, I respect people so much when they go into business and want to teach people how they came through the adversity and the challenges and the hell that they went through. Yeah. Because it's not easy. It's not easy to face that day after day after day. But then you, when you remember, how you're helping other people it gives you the energy right and it gives you the I don't know the strength that you need to like you just want to tell everybody because it's like hey I know this can help you right yeah that's why I love conversations like this because I respect that so much so thanks for coming on and talking to us about it of course yeah so time management girl we're gonna switch the topic a little bit and yeah we were just talking quickly before we hit record about all the things um, that we, we have to figure out how we spend our time, right? Like even the time management in that four years that you, you know, how do you get it all done? And I think it has a lot to do with prioritizing too, right? Yep. So do you want to talk a little bit about how to do all the things, you know, and not burn out? Yeah. So the, the first part of, um, prioritizing just in general, there's three things that I always tell people that they need before they can start managing their time. The first one is energy. You have to have energy. If you don't have the energy to do the things, then you're not going to do the things. The second thing is attention. So you have to actually be focusing and paying attention to the thing that you're trying to get done. So if you have your attention on it, but you don't have the energy, you're fucked. <laughs> but if you have the energy, right, you could be like going full blown ahead on two Red Bulls. But if you're not paying attention to the thing, then you're spending energy, you know, on the wrong thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you have to have your energy. You have to have the attention. And the third thing is obviously time. And time is 
forever. So time is always there, right? It's always there, but it's just whether or not you're blocking out certain parts of time and you're deciding to use your energy and use your attention during that time block on that task that you're trying to get done. And that's what we, what I really, you know, that's the foundation of what, you know, the, the human better 365 is based on. And I think that's the thing that is the least fun. So a lot of times people skip over it. Mm. You know, they don't want to deal with that. They're just like, I need motivation to work out. And then they're wondering why there's no regiment. They're wondering why they can't stay consistent. They're wondering why, you know, our finances, you know, why can't I get my finances in order? I try, but then it's not working, but it's because no one wants to start in the icky part, the boring part of like making the plan on when you're going to actually do all these things. Yeah. We all just want quick results. That's the the age of the game. (laughs) You know, that's, that's the age that we live in. Like, honestly, it, you know, instant gratification works for some things like Google searching, you know, on the bathroom floor, that instant, you want that then and there, right? You want an answer. But certain other things, it takes work, the stuff that's, you know, inside of us that we need to really look at. I think you have to have set really good intent, or not really good, but really true intentions when you're blocking out your time. Yeah, yeah. And I always tell people, you need to treat yourself as a business, If you look at any business, if you look at successful businesses like Amazon, for instance, the likelihood of us going into Amazon and sitting down with somebody, there is specific plans to get to or focus on specific things. And the reason that it it went from is because there was a plan and then they actually put all their focus and all their attention on that plan and it went in the direction that they wanted it to go. And if we just do the same thing where we take a moment, just take a moment to sit down and just write out what the fuck you want Mm -hmm. and then the plan to get from where you are now to where you wanna go and then you follow the plan, you will 100% get what you wanna get. But it's doing that first step of like sitting because people don't know what they want. You know, they'll sit down. They'll be like, I don't freaking know. Like, I don't even know. Stage. Yeah. yeah. So we need to figure that out and then create in time, in time, what that actually looks like. So specifically at seven o'clock, what are you doing? Specifically at one o'clock, what are you doing on a Tuesday? You need to know that, mm-hmm. you know, you need to know what. What time specifically and what specific day are you doing that specific thing? I completely agree. There's nothing worse than, you know, this used to be me. There's nothing worse than having, you know, the full a full free day. This used to be me, right? Where I had a full day of nothing to do long time ago. And uh, I'd be like, oh, I've got to clean my house. Oh, I've got to do this. And my husband would, you know, he'd turn to me and he'd be like, you know, if you didn't complain so much about it and you just picked the time and did it, you'd be done like days ago. Yeah. Like you keep complaining about the same thing. Oh, and he's so right, you know, and who's to say you can't create a plan and then you try it out for a month and you're like, okay, this really isn't working. The times are wrong. It's creating me stress. It's doing all of these things. Let's relook at it. But then you're going into it with more information and you've tried something trial and error. And eventually you'll get to the plan that works. Cause I don't think it always comes out the first time. Yeah. 
You're so right. And that is one of the main reasons why people don't want to do it because people do not like to commit. Hmm. They don't want to commit. They don't want to commit to every day waking up at seven o'clock to whatever, right? I don't know. I don't know if I can do that for the rest of my life. It's the same thing that I deal with in the sobriety community. You know, I've been sober for over 15 years. You look to somebody who's having trouble with, 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 with alcohol. And you're like, well, do you want to get sober? I don't know if I can do it for the rest of my life. Oh my God. For the rest of my life. That's scary. Big. Don't make it so big. Yeah. You know, like it's the small steps that get us progress so we can move on to the next one yeah it's it's like people who go on diets you know um i should probably but i've never been on a diet but (laughs) but um it's not to say it's a bad thing or it's a good thing but i think it would frustrate me because i would have these expectations of this quick gratification and it wouldn't happen whereas if i learned how to eat better and i learned you know not just a quick diet or a quick you know fix then i could actually start to see after the hard work is done at the beginning once you start to see right but between the beginning and actually seeing progress a lot of people stop yeah they quit in that time yeah and and that's not good <laughs> so we have yeah. to, you know so what are some of the things like for those people who do stop and and start like what can we say like besides be patient like believe yeah. you know believe in yourself like don't think you're going to fail right off the top because then you will yeah So that is exactly what you're saying is one of, so I have 20 in my program, one of my programs, I have 20 procrastination tactics that we use. There's 20 of them. And what's tricky about this is um, not very often do we just have one tactic on top of one task. Many times there are several different procrastination tactics that we have covering one task, Mm. right? So for instance, painting our kitchen. (laughs) So first, the first one would be, I don't freaking know what color. So indecisiveness, indecisiveness. Second one might be um, lack of, um, not wanting to do hard work. I don't know if I wanna do it myself. I don't wanna pay somebody else to do it. Another one might be, um, what if I don't pick the right color? What if it's the wrong shade of tan? So then we get um, perfectionism. So right there, just in painting your living room. Where am I going to put everything? Yes, you have three, exactly. So it can go on forever. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things, so the one that you were talking about was immediate gratification with losing weight. That is a, a tactic that we use, a big one that we use as far as, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, um, one of the big ones that we use because um, people like immediate gratification. They like that. If it doesn't have immediate gratification, they don't want to do it at all. And so one of the things that I recommend if you're having that issue is to find somebody else who has had pro- proven results. Mm. So we're looking at ourselves we go to the gym. I go to the gym for four days in a row. I eat healthy for four days. I lose one pound. In my book, that's sucky because I'm looking at Instagram models (laughs) who are 
all day long at, who are freaking size two. And I'm not a size two. So that's depressing. But if I can find somebody, for instance, transformational videos, who is walking through the steps of and reassuring me consistently that if you do the things in this direction, you can go from my size to this size, proven results, not just staring at the result, 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 that's depressing, mm. but actually going through the, um, or finding something that's showing you like, Hey, I went from this, my size to this, which is where I want to be in order to prove to myself that it's possible and then making it easy. So one of the things that I've done early on was I just broke my leg in 2020. Mm -hmm. So I gained 60 pounds while I was laid up plus COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, so laying out my clothes was like a huge thing. So I couldn't was one less thing for me to worry about or complain about. So I would actually have my crap and my shoes and my water bottle and whatever that my, my thing. So that when I, my alarm went off, instead of rolling around being like, I don't want to get up and I have to look for stuff. I turn the light on and then my fiance wakes up and blah, blah, blah. I knew that all my stuff was already in the bathroom. All I literally had to do was just roll out of bed, take a shit, put on my clothes and leave. Yeah. Yeah. Me. It makes it way easier. Do you know what I mean? So you have to help yourself. You have to like help yeah. yourself. But it's because true what you said. Sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. It's so true what you said about if you can see somebody else's journey, because like we could have started this podcast today and just talked about all the positive things in your life. Yeah. But we didn't. We started with yeah. the hard stuff. Yeah. Because I think in order for people to say, you know, rather than people just look at you and say, oh, this gorgeous woman with beautiful hair, you know, out in Miami, she's confident, she's got her own business, she's got all the stuff going for her, you know, she's lucky. I can't be that person. But no, we start with the hard stuff. You know, we start yeah. with, look, I struggled with this. This was my life. This was real. Yeah. And this is, this is me now, you know, and if people can see the journey, you know, whether it's dieting or entrepreneurship or being a mom that, you know, is, is depressed or whatever it is, when people see that, then they feel like they can do it. They're not alone. One of the things I want to do with this show is eradicate loneliness because I felt alone for a very long time. And when you feel alone, you know, and I always think of you now as the 20 year old girl who wasn't allowed to have friends. Right. And I think of that and it makes me sad because I know how much we need each other, you know, and without having that community of people and people to look, you know, look up to, oh, this person, this is how they lost the weight, or this is how they did this, you know, went from being homeless to being, a, you know, a boss or whatever the, whatever the journey is. I think without a community and without other people like that in your circle, there's no hope. Yeah. Hundred percent. I agree with you. I was. Do you know who Les Brown is? Yes. <laughs> so I was listening to Les Brown a couple weeks ago, and he was um, doing a um, lecture on possibility, mm. which is like my favorite. I love the word possibility. Yeah. Anyways, he was giving this example of how, for a very, 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 very long time, and I don't know the dates. I apologize. Um, nobody had ever run the mile in under four minutes ever. It was just known that you could never run the mile in under four minutes. And then all of a sudden one year, like, I don't know, 1970, I'm just making that up. 
some dude named Roger, I don't know his last name, but you can Google it, ran the mile in like three minutes and 58 seconds. It was insane. Mm -hmm. And from that point on until that lecture with Les Brown, he said that like 2000 something people have run the mile in under four minutes since that point. Mm -hmm. Why? Because somebody proved that it was possible. We needed to know that it was possible. And that guy named Roger decided to be the one to break that record and prove that it was possible. He set out, he was like, I'm going to be a person who runs a mile and under four. I will do that. And then lo and behold, 2000 or something other people have done it since then. Mm -hmm. So that's what our storytelling does. That's what your podcast does. Yeah, I think it's a great, it's a, it's a great message. And I love that you're, you're teaching people all these things now, you know, like it's great. I love yeah. your, your website and checking out your podcast and all, you know, all the things I know that on your podcast, you said that uh, you do offer some freebies if people want to hook up with emails and, you know, they can start looking at your community and, and just checking everything out. I think that would be great. And I think it would help a lot of people. Yeah. A hundred percent. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I just didn't want my story to go in vain. You know, I went through so much, so much. And, you know, I used to tell myself back in the day that the universe or God or whatever you want to believe in was punishing me because I was such a sinner. And I believed that the longer that I stayed in that state of victimhood proved how sorry I was, mm. you know, keep punishing me, keep beating me, keep stabbing me, you know, keep calling me names. And the longer that I was down and the longer that I was submissive and the longer that I got beat down proved how sorry I was. And now looking back at how silly that is and realizing that there are so many other people who either believe similar things or are in similar things, it's not true. It's not true. You know, nobody on this earth is here to be hurt or to be beat mentally, emotionally, physically, verbally, whatever it is. Um, we were here to be brilliant. We are here to build things. We are here to be creative. We're here to use whatever abilities that we've been given, you know, and I didn't want my story and all of the struggles that I went through to be for nothing. I wanted to use it for good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your personal story with us and mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sorry that all those things happened to you, but you are who you are now because of all of those things. Yeah. And yeah. although, you know, when you were, when you were saying that it seems silly to you, you know, I get it. I had years in my life where I it didn't feel like I deserved to be happy. I didn't yeah. feel, you know, I had a long struggle after my father passed away and if people would laugh, I would get mad at them. I'm like, how dare you laugh? Like, or I catch myself laughing and I'd be like, why are you laughing? Oh. You know, and you don't feel that you deserve that. Um, 
So even though we need a community, I think it has to start with us. Giving has to start with you. It has to start with you wanting more for yourself. It really does. So I'm so glad that we we both figured that out because yeah. you know, the before and afters are so, so different. They're filled with less pain and anguish and all of those things, you know. 100%. So glad to have connected with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. I so appreciate you coming on here and holding space for me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you would like to end with today? Oh, you know what? I love to end with um, the importance of when you're in the middle of a struggle or when you're in the middle of a challenge, just flipping and reframing a little bit because we're always learning something. And sometimes when we're in the middle of the struggle, it's hard to figure out what we're learning. It's kind of like, Sabrina, shut up. Like I'm not learning jack shit right now, but you are. I promise it. I promise you that you are. And if you can just sit back for just a moment and um, meditate in that, you'll realize that all the stuff that we go through is meant to teach us something. And if you can find out where you're being taught, then you can pull from that. And it makes it just a little more easier when you're going through it. Yeah, absolutely. And it is one of the hardest things to do when you're in that pain to try to look at yeah. things that way. But I find the more pain you let yourself feel and the more negative things you let yourself accept in that moment, the faster you can get real and yeah. the faster you can get out of there and the more proud you are of yourself when you're done. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the things that I did right when I was leaving my ex for those last few years when he would be just screaming at me. Um, I learned slowly, took time to not react and to literally in my head, ask myself, what are you learning? What is he teaching you right now? He's teaching you patience. He's teaching you how to hold your tongue. He's teaching you how to run a business. He's teaching you um, how not to treat somebody. You know, there's things that you're actually being taught um, during sometimes the worst moments. Mm. Um, and so you just kind of have to figure that out for yourself and what that it's is. It's a way to look at it. I appreciate that. That's something I think yeah. that would be super helpful for people. Yeah. 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 You're learning about what you'll stand for and what you don't, even if you can't stand up for it in that moment. Yeah. Your boundary, your own boundaries, your own boundaries for your next relationship, mm -hmm. you know, your own boundaries for what you're going to accept as the father of your child, you know? Absolutely. Where can we find you, Sabrina? How can we connect with you? <laughs> yeah, so the main website that I send people to is just my name, sabrinavictoria.com. And all my social media is on there and all the projects and companies and organizations that I um, monitor or run are also on there. Great. Thank you so much and keep yes. doing incredible things. <laughs> yes, thank you. I appreciate you. If you're looking for clarity on your passion, Sign up for my free five-day email challenge today on my website at www.neliahut.com. That's www.neliahutt.com to sign up now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.